All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher. I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, the birthday boy himself. What's up, Benny? How's it going? That's right. All I need is a warm slice of pizza, a uh, stiff Jameson, and a Nets victory for the finest the finest night there could be, you know? By the way, you, you talked about your new route going to the arena. You have to go through Staten Island. Uh, yeah. Did you run into our girl Kim Kardashian along your route? <laughs> I didn't see her. But I've been talking about her sister a lot because... I've been really upset yeah. about uh, that Kardashian uh, marrying Travis Barker and starting to wear like crust punk leather jackets and stuff. I usually don't get upset about stuff like that, but what a fucking poser. And Travis Barker should know better, you know? <laughs> like, like that guy's real deal. He's got a Dagnasty tattoo in his chest. He was in the Vandals. You know, he, he knows better than to let that happen. He either is that obsessed with like celebrity culture now that he thinks it's cool or thinks it's okay. LA is a very different place. I don't know. But what's your take on that? Is from your stance as someone who's not an old punk rocker, does it bother you? Do you see someone like that and you're going, why are you faking the funk? Or you don't even see it like that? Men are very easy. Sometimes, right? Sometimes you just get persuaded by the beauty and all of your preconceived notions go by the wayside. So you think it's like a private conversation where she said something like, you know what, Travis, I've always just felt like a punk rocker. Like, I feel like that in the inside. And he's like, baby, you know, it's good. Like, you're good. Like, like you should you should look the way you feel. And then like actually like nurtured it and enabled it. So we got an even sweeter cuddle that night. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So what records do you think he was like, all right, here's your box set. Here's your like, let's get Uh, into this. Interesting. Interesting. Starting off point. Um, Guy like that, I'd say we'd have a couple classics, probably a Clash, probably a Ramones. A couple things from like the West Coast, you know, kind of hardcore punk field. I would say like a a rancid, um, maybe like for him, like a suicide machines, something like that. And then, you know, he'd probably throw in a little, uh, something like reggae driven or like, you know, something more from that vein to show you're legit. Cause he does play some, some odd signatures and hip hop stuff. So I think he's probably got some juice in there too. Yeah, uh, but I wonder. That's a good question. I wonder what his like "Welcome to Punk Rock" mixtape was for Courtney. I'd love to see it. I oddly think that this is great for you personally. Why? For, for me? Oh, this is this is gonna. Tell me why. This is going to infiltrate Horowitz worldwide, almost taking <laughs> you and the wife over the top. Because I think this ends with your wife working with the Kardashians. And then um, we're just not, yeah. and you're just not even responding to my texts anymore. <laughs> You're like, listen, listen, I'm helping wifey get to Paris today. She's got to be Courtney for a shoot. Me and Travis are having, having an omelet at a, at a side cafe. No, Denny, that would never happen. You know, what would happen is I'd be like, yo, Travis, let me get 15 minutes with me and Denny on zoom. <laughs> i thought when you said 15 minutes i was like whoa okay courtney what's up Benny? <laughs> oh all right 
So me, you, Travis, Courtney. Let's go, Denny. <laughs> that would blow Come up. On. All we need is the Paul brothers, and we have like the, the triumvirate. It's 2021. Let's get into it. I got to be honest. I listened to an interview with that Paul. Oh, one of the Paul, yeah. I think Jake. Yeah. You know, the fighter the other day. And like, if anything I could take away from it, at least the guy knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Which is reassuring. You know what I mean? Like someone telling me I'm being a baiting asshole because I need to be a baiting asshole to stay relevant on YouTube and boxing. I appreciate that more than someone who uh, doesn't explain the ruse, yeah. you know? So my level of respect for Jake Paul went from zero to like, you know, 0 0.5. Did, uh, did Simmons press him on it though? No, what, mm. but I think he was smart. So, I I know like you know Simmons has his thoughts yeah. on Paul and the way he does things. And but I think you have a guy like that you know and you get that interview he's probably trying to somewhat pander to like a younger crowd and stuff and it's like you know I know this from conducting interviews and going off track and stuff too like you can't you can't make someone feel put out if you're actually trying to get real information and if you want to get this guy's story and actually listen to him speak honestly, you can't make him feel put out right away, you know? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, I think I heard Simmons like pulling back on purpose, which mm. was probably wise. This entire industry is bait and switch. Like it just, yeah, it's just it's, like bait, 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 switch. That's right. But Benny, do you want to know what segment is a complete bait and switch? And I mean, like, uh, you, usually these are jokes. This is the most honest introduction for this segment. This is this segment is an entire bait and switch. You know what segment that is, Benny? <laughs> no. It's this day in music history. Oh, my God. <laughs> do, 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 do. So this one's fun for me. On this day in 1988, the Beach Boys who haven't had a number one hit since Good Vibrations in 1966, topped the U.S. charts with Kokomo from the movie soundtrack of the film starring Tom Cruise, Cocktail, where he plays the whitest dude ever who goes to Jamaica and opens his own tiki bar. <laughs> it's more entertaining than that. You could get into the movie. But this is the longest gap between number one hits for any artist in history, 1966 and 1988. But the interesting thing is Kokomo is a completely Brian Wilson-less track. It is all uh, Mike Love writing with uh, John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas who wanted to write a, you know, a mystical song about a mystical place. Remember, Kokomo doesn't exist. There's a Kokomo, Indiana. I've driven through it. Which has a festival every year. <laughs> but there is no real Kokomo. This is a fictional place where white people can go vacation and not feel the guilt of imperialism written by the beach boys <laughs> but um this so the reason this is important to me denny is one of the first pieces of music i ever owned was the cocktail soundtrack on cassette and it was partially because of kokomo uh there was a crazy Jefferson Starship song. There was the Hippie Hippie Shake by Georgia Satellites. 
Mellencamp, Tutti Frutti. Great soundtrack. And that, along with, uh, I believe, La Bamba, were my first two cassette tapes. So it's a very important uh, important song to me. And one of the few I can sing, like, every, every single lyric to. But their uh, stretch of time between number one hits was broken by Cher in 1999 with uh, Believe. But, um, yeah, pretty funny, huh? Yeah, no, dude, I love Cocktail. Honestly... And I know yeah. that this may be a stretch. I'm not willing to die on, on this hill. Tom Cruise's Apex Mountain cocktail? No. For a certain demographic. Yeah, maybe. I think it was like cocktail was Cruise coming out of high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like before that, he was still risky business. He was high school football player. He was the outsiders. Outside, yeah. And then Cocktail was like, oh, I graduated high school. What am I going to do now? And I think his apex was probably like Jerry Maguire era. Yeah. And maybe that film in particular. That might have been. But but this is where we're like total nerds. Like, <laughs> I mean, that the Mission Impossible is probably yeah. like, like, like if you're a young person, you're like 20 years old now. You don't know what the fuck risky business is. Yeah. It's not a big deal to you. Cocktail's probably not a very big <laughs> deal to you either. But the fact that this old ass man is like jumping out of airplanes, doing his own stunts in these action movies. So I would say Jerry Maguire, but I got to guess like culturally, it might have switched to Mission Impossible at this point. See, I'm not so sure about that. I think it may always be Top Gun. To be honest with you, I think that that may be the the Cruise movie. But no, definitely my favorite Tom Cruise movie, Cocktail. Like, not even close. Can I give you a, a trivia question? Yes. In the video for Kokomo, who is on drums? Well, it's not our snare campaign provocateur. It is not. Um, and it's... It's a drummer that I wouldn't expect. Of note that you might not remember as a drummer. Oh. Anytime you say someone that you may not remember as a drummer, I'm just going to go with Dave Grohl. Or, oh, no, or, even... or, um, oh, John Stamos. That's it. Hey. There you go. You get, <laughs> you get a bag of guilt. Good for you, kid. <laughs> no, John Stamos is interesting because he's been like touring, like, freaking touring with the beach boys for like almost 20 years now and like yeah. nobody talks about it as I like know. a drummer but it's pretty cool he's had the tan the, he's had the tan <laughs> from the get-go to to uh, convince people he was hanging out in kokomo you know so benny on this day in 1956 i'm gonna make it historical and you know this is really only gonna interest me so uh on this day in 1956 the nat oh, king good. cole show debuted on nbc uh the cole program was the first of its kind first variety show hosted by an african-american so uh progress by nbc in 1956 wow that's early yeah i'd like i'd like to hear like the stories about that show you know yeah like how it actually operated and stuff that that's really interesting though i'd never heard about that and whether people tuned in and it's like just before those shows blow up into the stratosphere right. where it's just like kind of like awkward timing well it's when you know it's a dangerous phrase to say in the context of what we're talking about but i was about to say uh 
You know what I used to like back then? <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous when you're talking about 1956. Yeah. But I like that someone who would host a show like that at that point, it was still assumed they had to be an entertainer. Mm. Right? Like like at that point, you you had to be a singer, a dancer, an entertainer, like all those things in one to be able to host your own variety show. I And I don't know when that switched, when you could just get like, oh, here's here's funny guy. You know, like Conan O'Brien can't fucking sing. Like, no. Like, what, is, what is this? What is this bullshit? I, I want an entertainer again. I want someone who, the whole package. Where's Wayne Brady? You know? Oh, man. He, he was just on The Breakfast Club this week talking about how ABC and Disney whitewashed him on daytime TV. Oh, really? So, yeah. So that was crazy. But okay, interesting. Some interesting. of the same battles still being fought all of these ye- right. years later. Like, Yeah, it's just got a prettier dress now, doesn't it? Yeah. it like imagine if like a guy like Nat King Cole could like have like really embraced his like culture and like everything like that. That show could have like been like even more groundbreaking than it was. Yeah, and imagine someone Nat King Cole's age, you know, his parents yeah. and grandparents were really, you know, into uh inside of the 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 horror that we we talk about. So he would have had even a better or a, a more insightful perspective than than someone 50 years later, you know? Man, these past few weeks, we've been going deep during these This Day in Music History. It starts one place and then ends up another. That's Bait and best. switch. Just got a riff, <laughs> baby. First headline today, Benny. Sony Music Sources tell Variety Magazine the industry trade of Hollywood and the rich and famous that more than 500 thousand vinyl copies of Adele's upcoming album 30 have been manufactured in the months leading up to the album's November 19 release with the company pushing catalog titles off its overseas pressing plants to ensure that there won't be any shortage of Adele EPs going out. While this may seem all fine and dandy, whenever someone gains a lot, someone else is going to lose a lot and indie bands and indie labels across the country have had to put their vinyl plans on hold some of the pressing plants even presenting that in order to get your vinyl out in august of 2022 you have to get your masters and recording in now so benny uh this is a massive story in the world of music what do you make of it take it away there's a lot to make of it and and the one thing that should be said from the start is kind of the disconnect here from the artist like Right off the bat, I want to give Adele a pass. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is like directly her fault. I don't think Adele is currently tapped in to the indie vinyl business. And she's probably being told by all the people around her that all is fine and great. Someone at her level, the people that are offering these proposals to her, if she's even hearing about them, I have no idea how she runs her business. But their job is to hide it from her. If there is a fucking problem with pressing plants, unless Adele is like Googling, you know, uh, what's going on with the new screaming females record. Like she probably, she probably doesn't know. Um, so I kind of want to right off the bat, maybe give her a pass because I, I, I got to assume like she's just not hip to this stuff. Um, but I can say from the perspective of a indie musician right now and talking to a lot of labels and artists I know who have been trying to get back on their feet after the pandemic, 
tried to stay alive during the pandemic in various different ways. And as you know, the only way a band makes real money these days is touring. But you can't just tour on nothing. You need releases. You need new music. You can't put out a record five years ago and uh, keep going to the same city and expect people to come see you without new releases. So this cycle is very much part of the survival process of musicians. Being able to press those records is a huge part of it, especially on the, uh, you know, on the label end of it. So the thing that sucks is, you know, vinyl was the thing, right? For, you know, the first real 20, 30 years of the music industry. And then it virtually disappears for 20 or 25 years when cassettes and CDs and, you know, whatever other bizarre formats came during that time. And the only people who kept these pressing plants active, the world of vinyl active were indie labels and indie musicians, hip hop labels, DJs. That was it. Vinyl was like, effectively fucking dead and you know if you wanted to get a new piece of vinyl in 1999 from like a mainstream artist it was impossible it literally was not even made and we've talked a lot on this show about how much the independent artists suffered post spotify post digital music where all of a sudden making money from your own records and songs was substantially harder than it was before. And now touring in these touring cycles and merchandise are now your only stream. And the labels suffered for a short time, put their monies into these streams. And now here's another arena where the indie artists have kept it alive for years and years that the labels and the corporate culture on top of it is going to swoop in and take it as their own and pretend that they brought back vinyl. Like, like the issue is your normal Adele listener doesn't need vinyl. Like it's, it's like a box set thing. It's a Christmas present. It's something to put on your shelf, but I feel like more often than not, it's not the actual median that the music's supposed to come out on. It's for gift wrapping, you know? Um, so the, it's just really like uh, an insulting and kind of upsetting thing to see in the face of like, you know, artists really, really scratching their way right now and like clawing their way through the last couple of years trying to survive. And here's another fucking hit and another kind of snubby fuck you from the corporate side of things that like we don't care. We're running business as usual. We got Adele. We got the pressing plants, you know. The, the peons are on their own and all this like save the stages and save the artist stuff was kind of like for naught. like the the artists are in a worse position than they were pre-pandemic and people just aren't thinking about it enough and this is uh again not adele's fault but i think it's like a real highlight and indicative of a larger situation right now for artists well the crazy thing and as doing research for this story i came across this there's really only two pressing plants, and I texted you about this before. There's only two real pressing plants in the world for vinyl albums. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's that's <laughs> insane to me that that there's anything that's like in this much demand that there's only two people out here pressing it. And I 
read that just before the pandemic, there was a fire at the Apollo Transco That's plant right. in California. So they were already kind of behind the eight ball. And apparently the one in Japan where they also press it is like way smaller. So it's like the amount of people trying to press uh, and a, a industry that's almost doubled since 2018. It's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do here. And, and I mean, to even highlight how serious this situation is, I know about one other one mm. that like punks use and yeah. like it's in another country. I'm not even going to say it. I'd wax. <laughs> I don't want anyone else to know about it. You know, like <laughs> this is like hidden. If you know someone with money, if you got any hedge fund friends through your serious connects, oh. you know, this is the market to get into right now. Vinyl pressing plant. Because I'm the coastal elite over here. Okay. That makes a Listen. lot of sense. <laughs> Listen, you do a podcast with Fran Fraschilla, okay? You know some people. Yeah. <laughs> Fran, I'm just going to say this because that, that was an unnecessary drive by on Fran. Fran and I in one year cannot make what you make headlining a gig, okay? <laughs> the, the TBT tournament is not paying out like that. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, Benny, let's get to the sports, shall we? Please. All right. So one of uh, arguably the biggest story in sports this week is news that Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID-19 and also that he's unvaccinated. Prior to the season, he got up and asked about his vaccination status. And boy, this sly motherfucker right here. He's like, <laughs> I'm immunized, which everyone's like, oh, it's just a synonym for I'm vaccinated. No, apparently Aaron is not vaccinated, um, which stinks. You know, this story hurts me, right? Because one of my first jobs in radio was a local Wisconsin show, the Aaron Rodgers Radio Hour. So like, I got to know Aaron when he was dating Olivia Munn, and I always thought he was kind of a stand-up guy. But uh, it just goes to show what, what people feel of the vaccines, the vaccination, and like having to do this. Um, Aaron Rodgers has uh, not been fined for violating all the COVID protocols, though a report by NFL Network yesterday said that uh, he's been following uh, the unvaccinated mandate for players around the Packers facility. So I'm not really sure what to believe here. But Benny, I'm sure that this is just the tip of the iceberg of athletes lying about being vaccinated because the distrust from this from a certain section of the country is quite large. So how deep do you think this runs? And do you think Aaron Rodgers is the biggest name that's lying about being unvaccinated? Or do you think uh, we're just reaching the tip of the iceberg here? I mean, he's one of the biggest names. Yeah. So, you know, you know, a lot of the guys in the NBA, we, we actually know are, you know, like, like a lot of the people just come out. I am this. And so, you know, he might be the iceberg because he's, he's one of the biggest names there is. Um, but the idea that he's like the only one, no way. And, you know, I listened to that same press conference. I listened back to it now. And like you said, you sly <laughs> motherfucker, like, you got asked the question, like, are, and he was like, yeah, like, uh, actually, he almost said yes. He I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> you know, he essentially just, like, lied um, up there. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, again, like, we're never going to find out why. Um, these guys are just going to tow this, like, personal choice line over and over and over again. They're never going to tell you the actual reason. There's a couple things 
to this that, you know, this is going to be talked about a million different ways. So let me try to find an angle that's actually fairly fucking interesting. And, you know, one part of it is it seems as if the players who just say like exactly what they're doing and why isn't particularly newsworthy. Like, like let's say like Jonathan Isaac, Mm -hmm. you know, like true, he's not active right now. So maybe that's keeping him out of it. But that guy was just like, yeah, I'm not getting vaccinated. And this is why. And even though people had a day or two of vitriol where they're like, fuck Jonathan Isaac or whatever, like the story went away and it was no longer newsworthy. And this is where I got to wonder, like guys like Aaron Rodgers, he knows as well as anyone, they're fucking heels. Uh, If there's anything I learned from this Jake Paul interview yesterday, (laughs) people either need to love you or hate you these days. You don't want a, a middle ground. You know, and that's how you get clicks and that's how you garner interest. So with Aaron Rodgers being a heel, you know, he's being so shady and aloof to kind of create storylines and keep himself here and have this BS drama. I mean, I guess he would have preferred not getting COVID in the storyline being him winning a Super Bowl. But, you know, this is what happens when you don't get vaccinated. (laughs) Sorry, guy. Um But the way he's being about it is, you know, so like disingenuous and creepy and like not saying what you actually feel and walking on eggshells because you're fucking kind of like a media like for someone who claims to be such like I cut through the media. I say my piece, you know, like Aaron Rodgers has always been really kind of like forthright in that way. So, you know, why don't you keep it up like. Like, stand on your own fucking laurels. Tell people why you're not doing it if you're not doing it. And be judged on that. You know, like, stop with this fucking murky stuff. Like, that's that's the thing I, I hate the most. And then again, you know, I, the way they talk about it and how aloof they are about it, it just screams entitlement to me. You know, every time I see these motherfuckers talking about, oh, you know, my personal choice and I respect this and I respect... Like, I just see this, like, smug, entitled attitude towards the whole thing, you know, where, like, just because you're young and you happen to not care, then you just don't give a shit. Be fucking honest. You know what I mean? You're entitled. You're rich. You're young. You have access to everything you could possibly want. You're not afraid. So you're not going to do it. And that comes from a place of privilege and entitlement fucking just be what you are and admit it you know like this is what's really starting to bother me about this conversation now is like everyone's starting to make it so murky and great it's not fucking murky i made a decision to get the fucking thing i didn't want it yeah i i don't even put fucking shampoo and conditioner in my head because of how much i don't like chemicals in my body i made a choice i didn't want the fucking thing and i got it because i made a choice Now, you tell me why you made your fucking choice. Like, that's the thing that's really starting to bother me about these people. I'm also sick of athletes who, let's be honest, you know, I went to a high school that produces a decent amount of athletes. I've gone on to different professional sports. And these are the same guys who in biology class would want to cheat off your homework. The very (laughs) class where you learn about what mRNA in mRNA is, which is what the vaccine is, 
and now that now they're like, I want to do my own research. Man, if you pay attention to a high school biology class, you're gonna learn what a fucking vaccine is. So don't yeah. tell me that you need to do your own research because that opportunity was when you were in high school, but you were too busy trying to chase whatever. Nah, he's too busy throwing <laughs> footballs. Like that's the thing. And girls, Just come talk on, come talk on. about what you're fucking <laughs> yeah. good at. You're a football player. Like you're awesome at that. Yeah. I'll listen to you talk about how to run an offense all fucking day long because that's your your field of expertise you know like that's what you should talk about you're you're 100 percent right about that that's a funny analogy and and the 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 worst part about this is this emboldens a certain section of the country and it, it just makes them feel heard and seen when they're flying in in the face of science and and decades of, of research listen aaron Rodgers is a good person we know this right ah. Like, See, this is where this is where it upsets me. It's like it's like this idea that now they're he, uh, seen and heard. And to me, it lends back to this like conservative chicken shit stuff where it's like we were racist for like 40 fucking years and we just didn't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like we don't we don't talk about it openly because it's not classy to talk about how racist we are. Now they're doing the same thing with this. Oh, no, you know, we keep it. We keep it close to the chest. Like, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about the fact that I think you're all fucking sheeple or whatever they actually think. And it's it's the same. Like, I, that's why I, I keep making the same face, <laughs> you know, because it's always that smug conservative. Like, yeah, I think this way, but I'm not even going to grace you with why I think that. And you know why they do that? Because they have they no real have fucking answer. reason. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no reason in the first place. And if you actually thought about it for five fucking minutes, you might think something else. All right. Enough with the vaccine talk. Enough with all of that stuff. Uh, let's get on to the actual basketball court. Um, let's. We are in the beginning of a season that, Benny, it's been kind of strange. Uh, a lot of contenders missing uh, players due to injury or you know getting covid so i just want to go through real quickly uh first off who has surprised you thus far in the nba season well it's been a lot i got i got a few in each conference here i mean i think right off the bat in the east uh i didn't think the heat would look like this right off the bat you know i didn't think they would look this like this fluid um looks like kyle lowry has been there a long time and you know now that you're seeing like the thing I almost mocked in the off season, which was like, oh, this heat culture, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you actually watch like PJ Tucker and Larry and Butler and Bam and these guys like just straight up bringing back like some form of bully ball. I mean, they're they're knocking people around the court and doing it for fun. And it's obviously part of the program and it's working. Um, and a lot of the, you know, the teams in the East, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, who you know, were the preseason favorites to run through the um, the conference, you know, both of those teams look like they can get bullied a little bit. And both of those teams probably don't want to see Miami in a long series right now. So that's a surprise. Uh, Raptors are way better than I thought they would be. Scotty Barnes um, look great. You know, Ananobi made that jump. I think it's a real testament in the Raptors to the organization development coaching it's kind of like you know they're becoming uh 
the cream of the crop as far as that goes, because they will consistently be a good team with a lot of turnaround. Um, and they figured out a lot of things on how to run a franchise. So I'm impressed with the Raptors in that way. Uh, the Sixers are surprising me. Um, you know, no Simmons, obviously. I was hoping we could get through the episode without bringing him up. And they're still, you know, running through some real tough games in the East. Um, you know, where I think Maxi made a jump and he actually looks like he is, you know, worthy of the minutes he's getting. And uh, Thibel is a fuck, a defensive player of the year candidate at this point. The guy's all over the court. He's such a huge difference maker on defense. And I didn't expect him to, to be this good. Um, Boston, uh, how badly they started. I think is a surprise. Um, you know, my big takeaway from that, you know, they, you know, Marcus Smart makes the comments the other day about Brown and Tatum, you know, and then apparently they have a very emotional players, uh, players only meeting prior to the game versus Orlando last night. And they, you know, hold Orlando to 79 points. It's probably the easiest team in the league to hold to 79 oh. points. So you don't want to make the biggest deal out of it. But, you know, one thing that came out of the commentary of that story and who played well last night and stuff like this and where I'm starting to turn and I think you might see other people start to turn soon. Jalen Brown's the leader of that team. And I think Tatum out of nowhere is now the piece that you should maybe move. Like if there's an issue with Brown and Tatum, which there seems to be, you know, uh, with the way they're ball dominant and they move and they don't seem to play that well together at times. I mean, maybe the analytics say otherwise, but my eyes tell me that one thing. And, you know, because of the way he's, uh, you know, rise to the cream in the locker room and, uh, you know, how eloquent he is when he speaks and the way he plays in certain situations. I think Jalen Brown's the guy in Boston. now. This Celtics conversation is very, interesting because what the brown tatum thing has been together what it's been like like four, four or five years now at this point yeah safely yeah. and They're both on their second contract yeah. yeah and i feel like we see this time and time again when guys grow and the the thing that i'm thinking here right and it kind of re reminds me of the Giannis jabari parker situation in milwaukee is where uh, there was that like one season where you had both of these guys kind of growing and you're like, oh, this is interesting, but I don't really see how they fit together. And ultimately this has to break one way or the other, which always kind of confuses me. I feel like if you have the right coach and the right system in place, these guys should ha should be able to manage together because this entire league is about finding your big three, big four. And you have yeah. two players that should be able to complement each other. So... Uh, you got to give Ime a pass here. He's only been in the job for a couple months now. You know, people wanted to give Brad Stevens a lot of flack last year for not being quite able to make this team work. Um, and now he's up in the front office, his pass is on, on to somebody else. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. Uh, the Marcus Smart comments that, that you were talking about how uh, Brown and Tatum just jack up all of the shots. And no, nobody really wants to play in that. And I was happy that he kind of expressed that early on in, in the season. Now we're going to see what kind of players these guys are. In, is in he the state. guy to express that? that? That's where, like, sometimes, well, who else? Ex especially in public, like, you know, I know Marcus Smart's like 
you know, uh, team leader in a lot of ways and, you know, you know, locker room guy and things like that. But do you think those guys are really like improving because of that comment? Do you think the team is actually getting better because of that comment? Like, that's not the person that needs to be coming from. Like I didn't, uh, even though I respect Marcus smart and may, who knows, maybe again, I don't want Orlando to be, you know, the one telltale about it, but like, maybe this did spark the conversation they needed to have. And, and this is maybe that's what he was trying to do. Like, I'll never know with this shit, but it seemed like, listen, like you're the wrong guy to be coming out to the media and calling out your two best players. It just doesn't seem, didn't seem good to me. At least if you're trying to build team chemistry there, like, like talk to the guys first before, or maybe he's been saying this all through training camp and he's like, these guys aren't fucking listening to me. But the guy that should be saying this is, is Al Horford. But also, mm. I, I feel like Tatum and, Tatum and Brown could kind of brush him off and, and be like, hey, you left us and then came back. I'm just not sure how they remedy this. I don't think that it's going to be a situation where they trade guys. Because the interesting thing that you're seeing on the trade market right now is these high usage guys, they're not getting as much for them as they mm. used to. I think, you know, like the Simmons situation is different. But uh, even like like the James Harden trade, right? It's like you see, back in the day, I feel like that would have been a one-team-on-one-team swap, and now it's got to be a three-team deal, and everybody leaves a little, like, a little shaky on it. So that situation is interesting. Let's move on to the Western Conference. Uh, Benny, who surprised you? I mean, I, I know I shouldn't have been, but I didn't think the Warriors were going to be this good. Um even though, you know, Steph's one of the best to ever do it. Uh, I saw the rest of this roster going into it without Clay, and I'm like, eh, I think they're they're still going to struggle for a while, you know, until some of these guys get back. And I didn't expect them to come out 6-1. Um, and one. And the thing about it is that they're playing the third best defense in the West. And then you're going to add, uh, you know, eventually James Wiseman is getting back into practice. You know, you have another big body to put out there. We'll see what he's capable of with more minutes and more run if he can play and, you know, eventually getting clay back in a month or two who, you know, we'll see exactly what he is. But at the time he went away, was a very good defender and obviously like one of the best shooters of all time. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't believe in the warriors going into this season. And now, you know, because of the way they're playing defense and because of the pieces coming back, you kind of have to believe in them. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're one of the biggest surprises to me on the upside. Uh, same with Memphis. I um, didn't expect this, like, you know, to me, I didn't know what John Morant was. I didn't know exactly what this lineup was. And, you know, to their credit, they kept it together. And now you're seeing uh, health and growth from Jaron Jackson. You're seeing another jump from Ja. Great drafting with Desmond Bain last year. And all of a sudden... Memphis is a real deal team. They're solid up and down. They got uh, some fun people coming off the bench too. Um, they still got Tillman over there from last year. Uh, you know, Zaire Williams, an interesting rookie. So Memphis surprised me with how how much they jumped out from the start. But they're gonna have to learn how to defend because they are currently the worst defensive team in the West, and they're a, a minus two point two differential. So there is some something in the tea leaves there that say that. Uh, you know, they, they'll maybe 
come back down to what I thought they were, which was more of like a play in team, but we'll, we'll see about that. And then on the other side, you know, um, I, I didn't expect the Pelicans to be good, but I didn't expect them to be this bad. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the fact that, uh, Zion's, you know, got this foot thing. We don't know about it's such a mystery. They're starting this slow. I mean, fuck this whole season just is maybe immediately a wash for the Pelicans which uh, changes the landscape of, you know, re-signing and trade markets and this and that. And then the Blazers as well. I mean, not only did they start three and five, uh, it doesn't really look like there's much hope on the horizon. It's not like there's anything coming back. Like a lot of the pieces they were leaning on are nothing but a year older. Um, And I think, uh, I, I'm not too surprised at the Blazers not being great, but I think this does add an added dimension into the trade talk fodder moving forward in the next couple months. Because, you know, if Portland decides to bomb their season, uh, you know, there's a lot of pieces on that team that could move around. The thing with the Pelicans that I think is is super interesting is and I don't know how my biggest disappointment can be a guy who hasn't played yet, but the Zion Williams thing is interesting. There's been stuff leaked to the media. Whenever you hear someone is like maybe unhappy in a situation, that's always got to come from somewhere. Oftentimes it's within the camp. Like people aren't just coming up with this out of thin air. It's like rumblings and who, who you talk to and stuff like that. And those things can happen very quickly. So you've heard a lot of that. Um, a lot of articles being written about that. And then the other thing, and I'm not sure if we talked about it. I kind of forget. Did you see this Zion, Zach Levine? I think it was a Mountain Dew commercial. Mm-mm. This shoot has them playing video games. Uh, you know, they're like chilling on the couch. There's a Mountain Dew. There's a bunch of chips. But the way Zion is positioned in this makes him look like not an athlete, to put it lightly. So it's and it's things like that. Um, and then you have people that have like worked with him and like around him saying that he's not exactly in 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 shape. So and for a guy that young in the league that's already had a lot of injury problems already, like it's not looking good for Zion Williamson. I mean, but that's where sometimes you got to give kids credit, too, because it's like we kind of want like some 20 year old to do everything exactly right. Um, You know, one thing, you know, you can't uh, work out and be unhealthy at the same time. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things is like if this guy is just rehabbing a foot and can't run and can't do that kind of exercise, like I'm sure there's a lot of ways you can try and try. And I'm sure he's doing a million different programs. But, you know, without that run, you can't be in great shape. So it's like we don't know exactly what this guy is. We don't know what his playing body looks like. You know, we had all these concerns with a guy like Joel Embiid for years. And now, you know, getting into his late twenties seems like he sorted a lot of that stuff out. There's a lot of players who over time can sort that stuff out. Um, So, you know, he's so young and there's so much to this situation that I think we have a long road ahead of us still, but it's not to say the things you're talking about aren't a huge cause for concern. And we already knew that the the moves they made in the offseason didn't make a lot of sense. Now, I mean, what's Zion thinking when he's sitting at home watching 
Herb Jones getting 38 minutes a night. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm just saying that uh, it's not like he's watching a uh, roster right now gel and grow and learn to play together and, and has this young core that's really, you know, they have some marginal young rotational pieces, maybe. But uh, I don't know. The future just looks so strange and grim in New Orleans right now. Well, the interesting thing is when we get to the trade deadline, David Griffin is going to have to be making moves for his job, which is never what you want to have to do midway through the season to try to pacify the ownership. There's There's been a lot, and we've talked about it on this podcast, about how you know there was the J.J. Reddick complaint about how he handled, uh, how David Griffin mm. handled. Uh, there's, yeah. there's the thing from like Zion. And whether these are real or not, whether these are fabrications or not, they're part of the narrative. And yeah. NBA billionaires that own these teams they read like I, <laughs> like you can't make money without reading and so if if you're seeing the tea leaves and um you're, you're worried about season ticket holders you're worried about all of these things and you need a new uh, direction of the franchise they change the coach what's next you you go upstairs yeah it's true and uh there's some you know uh very noticeable bad moves that kind of leave you in a position for your head to roll all right so as we go through we are a couple weeks through the season benny what predictions do you want to make about where we are let's uh let's not say end of the season because we both know that there's a big difference in the season between december and january on by christmas day okay because that's a pretty big day for the league what will we have learned from the contenders in the nba Okay, uh, I think we're going to learn that the Los Angeles Lakers are fine. Um, we're going to learn that because of the thing I said two years ago, and I still stand with it now, and you watch some Lakers games and you realize it, LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a pick and roll is an absolutely unstoppable force that no one in the NBA can stop. So... It, it comes down to one of those things again. If those two are right and you have these right pieces around them, I think they're going to be right there. And uh, most of the issues are speculative and that they uh, will have it figured out by that time of the season. Um, I think that Luka Doncic and the Mavericks uh, are pretty darn good for whatever reason. And I actually kind of like these weird moves they made and I'm watching them settle in and Brunson in the starting lineup seems to be clicking. And if just for the sake of God, they can get Chris Stapps Porzingis to play 25 or 30 usable nights, uh, excuse me, usable minutes a night. Like I think that team could really come over the top. Um, I also think, uh, what I said earlier is kind of the, the biggest takeaway and I think could still be an open market by Christmas, which is I think the East is wide fucking open. And I think it's wide open because uh, Milwaukee has, you know, they're a powerful team, but I don't think they're as focused on the regular season. They're already without holiday. DiVincenzo, um, a couple things are bringing them back down to earth. The Nets, obviously, with their obvious problems and no Kyrie. Uh, I think by Christmas time, any number of uh, 
you know, a Heat, Sixers, Bulls, Nets, Knicks, Hornets, Bucks, Hawks. You know, I think the Pacers are uh, primed to to kind of make a jump back up and get back into the mix. I think uh, the East is going to be a real uh, a real firing squad by Christmas, and we're going to have a, a very tight race. How about you? I want to build off of what you said about the Warriors earlier. I think we may not have the answer, but I think the conversation about the Warriors being a title contender will be crazy by the time they play the Suns on Christmas, mainly because they don't have to play any of the big teams in the West before then. Um, they, they've, they've got a, a East Coast swing where they, where they play, you know, like the Sixers and some of like the top teams out here. I think the Raptors are, are in that list as well. But we're really not going to know anything, um, but they're slowly going to work Clay back into the lineup by then. Uh, just in time for a showcase game against the Suns, who have been struggling and have their own problems to, to deal with. And so on Christmas and, and after, it's going to be a... Uh, I think, think we're going to be talking about those boys from Golden State a, a lot on this podcast. Yeah, I could see that. Do you think Paul George holds on to the scoring title for the entire season? Oh, no, because... Ooh, ooh this is... <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to die on this hill because I just thought of this as you were talking, but uh-huh. I could see, you know, Damian Lillard may not be a Laker, but he could be a Clipper. Oh, how does that happen? I mean, they've got some pieces there that I think are valuable. Now, I'm not sure. The Kawhi situation is weird because it's like everybody knew he was going to be out for a lot this season, and yet they're just cool as hell with it. Like, everyone's just cool <laughs> with the fact that we have no idea what Kawhi's going to do. Right. Does Steve Ballmer strike you as the most patient person on, on earth? I don't know. He does not. He does not. So, I don't know how hard that would be to move, but I don't know. Maybe we see some action there, or Paul George. Imagine if Paul George gets traded for Damian Lillard and, like, that whole meme of, like, him knocking, of Dame knocking out the th- <laughs> Thunder from a few years ago. So, I don't know, but I, I, I definitely think if things keep going this way. Now, Dame has reiterated time and time again how he is a loyal guy, he, how he's not going anywhere. But at a certain point, you're going to want to win, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I think one other thing of note, yeah. Uh, you know, as we leave the uh, NBA conversation is how much fun is the rookies? Oh, Scotty Barnes. Give me Scotty. I mean, I you it. know, give me give me a lot of these guys. We got a useful, useful, fun rookie class out there playing a lot of interesting different roles on a lot of different teams, uh, making automatic impacts like uh, I think this is uh potentially going to turn out to be could turn out to be one of the all-time great draft classes what do you think i'm ready to hop on evan mobley the way you hopped on Lamelo last year like if if it's not to hop on uh, he's very much following uh that anthony davis progression i mean if you look at it at the stat line from anthony davis's rookie year to evan mobley's rookie year through a couple games they're very similar i think evan mobley just more seems like a guy that can stay healthier because he's like he's built a little bit better he's in a little bit better shape i i love this kid the rookie of the year conversation this year is gonna be really difficult yeah i mean just think about like you know the top two players in the draft who were really you know commonly thought of as sure things uh 
you know, Cunningham had a bad ankle and yeah. he's, um, you know, just getting back. So I, I really don't know what that kid is yet. But, you know, Jalen Green's a nice scorer, but the, he does not have a lot else to his game yet uh, and not a complete player. So, you know, when you're going down the list here and seeing Mobley, Barnes, Giddy, Franz Wagner, Davion Mitchell, you know, uh, Duarte, like oh, Duarte, <laughs> the other night, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I mean, these guys are playing real minutes and and offering a lot to to these teams. So, uh, this, I wonder if we're gonna wind up in like a, uh, you know, Darko Milicic situation in this draft. Hmm. I wonder. Who knows? All right, well, that's enough basketball talk for now. Uh, we're going to table that till next week. I love what's happening in the NBA right now. Real quick, we're going to do our NFL picks. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, last week, pretty average for speed us. Round. Speed just, round. Just a really average week for for your boys over here. So, you know, we, we are a podcast that likes to look forward on the present. Right. So let's look forward to week eight. Shall we bet? Uh, week nine. Please. Eyes ahead. Eyes, Eyes ahead. ahead. All right, November 7th, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. A Pats at Panthers, Patriots, minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like here? Mm, I can't believe I'm riding the Pats again, but I am riding the Pats again. Uh, yeah, they got too much for the Panthers. November is Belichick season. You know, the moment you try <laughs> to put on your coat, you start to like that Bill Belichick teams are going to show up. Give me the Pats, minus three and a half. Yeah. All right, oh, we got the Giants here. Giants, Raiders, the New York football Giants. Uh, Raiders minus three. Benny, what do you like here? You know what? You know me. I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, riding the off-field narrative going into a close game. And the Raiders had an incredibly sad and horrific off-field narrative this week and not exactly a thing that you necessarily rally around the team for. So I like the Giants kind of strongly in this game. You know, I bought into that narrative of the offseason thing with the Raiders as soon as Gruden was fired, and they went out and just excelled like crazy. <laughs> uh, but you want to know something? Uh, Giants held their own against a struggling Kansas City sure team. Did. Only lost by three. I like that plus three number for a little protection. Sure, why not? Let's go with Big Blue. That's right. God, we're such homers. It's pathetic. All right. <laughs> a Ohio rivalry coming to life this weekend in the one o'clock hour. Browns, Bengals, Bengals minus two and a half. Benny, what do you like? You telling me Joe Burrow's losing the Battle of Ohio? <laughs> the fuck out of here. This is his battle now, and he's taking it. I'm 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 Burrow crazy next week. Oh, the Paul Brown Stadium is a strong hill that strong hole that will not be thwarted by those guys from Cleveland. Boy, but sidebar, what's going on with OBJ? That stuff is wild. Um, yeah, pretty strange. It, it's almost as if like OBJ like made out with Baker's girlfriend or something. Like there's something weird going on there. And for that reason, Bengals minus two and a half. Give it to me. Exactly. Uh, Texans Dolphins boy a game of just two teams that are trying to make a deal but the gamblers don't really like uh, Dolphins minus six and a half Benny what do you like here yeah to uh I'll ride the Tua train I'm certainly not taking the the Texans with any kind of authority <laughs> so let, let's let's ride with the Dolphins here give me a little two two for Tua uh, give me Dolphins minus six and a half all right Falcons Saints iconic it's 
Apparently down there they consider this a rivalry. We just consider this a game to bet on. Uh, Falcons Saints 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 minus six. Betting, what do you like here? I don't know. I mean, when you know, as if they didn't have enough adjustments to make. Now Winston done for the season. Like I, I never trusted Hill as like a full time quarterback. Simply for that, I I got the Falcons. You know, the Falcons' situation's interesting. You know, last week, I was very high on Matt Ryan. He kind of came back down to earth. Uh, Trevor Simeon looked good. I think they may stick with him. Uh, they also have a uh, rookie in Ian Book. You know, you remember him from Notre Dame. Uh, but, you know, I kind of trust Simeon here. So give me the Saints minus six. All right. Vikings, Ravens. Uh, Ravens minus six. Betting, what do you like? Tough one. Yeah. This is a tough one. Uh I don't know. This is one of those ones that I just like, I don't see Lamar Jackson losing, uh, but um, I don't like this, this spread. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm taking the Ravens to win Vikings to cover the spread. Yeah. You know, I'm very tempted to lean that way too. The Vikings are a team that's bitten me all year. But with that said, you know, I like what the Ravens are doing right now. Give me the Ravens minus six. All right, big number here, big number alert. Flash up the, the neon lights or whatever. Uh, Broncos, Cowboys, Cowboys minus 10. Benny, what do you like here? I like the Cowboys to cover. Mm. I think they're uh, still rolling. Prescott back. Um, this is the game. Yeah, Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Give me Cowboys minus 10. All right, a couple more games to, to, to get into here. Uh, Bills, Jaguars. Uh, Bills minus 14 and a half. Benny, what do you like? I don't know. Like, I, it's such a big spread. I want to be scared of it, but I'm more scared to, to get behind the sloppy, sloppy Jacksonville Jaguars now. They're like, they're like a, a Jaguar that got lost in the woods <laughs> and found a bottle of vodka and is just stumbling around the forest now. But, uh, yeah, Bills, please. I hate gambling on this league i just want to go on the record <laughs> last week made zero sense like nothing made sense uh for, for that reason why not nobody circles the wagons like him i said it too soon earlier that means i gotta go with the bills minus 14 and a half all right chargers eagles a game who fucking knows chargers <laughs> minus one and a half benny what do you like i mean in a game like this this is where i just go I like the Chargers a lot more than the Eagles. Yeah. So I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, it's basically a pick em, Uh And because of that, I uh, in a pick em game, the Eagles do not get my benefit of the doubt nope. because they are the most evil NFL franchise there is. Give me the Herbert train. Now, <laughs> now the Justin Herbert may have to go into the link. Not exactly a fun place to go into. Whatever. Give me Chargers minus one and a half. Now, now this game's fucking interesting. Packers Chiefs, classic NFL matchup. Chiefs minus seven and a half. No Aaron Rodgers in this one. Benny, what do you like? So, so this is a psychology game to yeah. me. Okay. Now, what is one thing everyone else on the Packers may be thinking this whole year? Do I have COVID? Is no. Is is, is, is am I on this fucking team? Yeah. Does anyone else play but Aaron Rodgers? Can you look at me a little bit? We had a pretty good defense, you know, like, so I think sometimes when these things happen, uh, the other players on the team got something to prove. Uh, the chiefs made a giants team look 
pretty good last week, uh, better than they should have. Even though they uh, stopped their losing streak, they didn't really prove to me that they're a recovered team. And, uh, yeah, I think the Packers can run, and I think they're going to keep it going and, and cover the spread. I'd take the Packers. I'm shocked that most people are going with this Packers minus seven and a half here. No Aaron Rodgers. Tough day for the Pack. Who do they play? Jordan Love. Is, is this the Jordan Love debut? I don't this like that one bit. Oh, no. This is Aaron Rodgers. This is Drew Bledsoe. Oh. Jordan Love. Tom Brady. Watch. <laughs> He's going to play the next 19 seasons in a row. Aaron's not playing. I got to go with Patrick Mahomes and the known quantity here. Give me the Chiefs minus seven and a half. Smart bet, probably. All right. <laughs> a virtual pick them here. Uh, 425 game. Uh, 49ers, Cardinals. Cardinals minus one. Benny, what do you like? I mean, I think, you know, Kyler Murray, game time decision, or is he just not playing? That's a great question. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously that's a big part of it, but I think he's going to be a little limited regardless. Uh, I like the 49ers to run a little bit. I'm actually taking the Niners here. Uh, the 49ers expect to see Kyler Murray, Murray on Sunday, though he missed practice on Thursday. Give me Arizona. Why not? I feel like there's too much going on there. Um, I'm not exactly a a big fan of this 49ers team to pick every week, but it's a pick em, and I'm going to pick the Cardinals here. <laughs> All right, Sunday night game. Oh, boy, speaking of injuries, there's just too many. This is what I don't like about the NFL. Yeah, the NBA has injuries a lot of the time, but not like the NFL once you get to week eight or nine. This, this is ridiculous. Derrick Henry out for the Titans. But we still have a battle going on in Inglewood. Uh, Titans, Rams, Rams minus seven and a half. Benny, what do you like here? I, I just, let me tell you something. It gets so bad in the NFL that I just picked up Adrian Peterson <laughs> as a spec ad for, for the Titans running back position. That's how rough it got. But that being said, uh, Von Miller now in tow. Rams juggernaut. I've been on the train. From day one, I've been on the Matthew Stafford Rams train. I'm not getting off now. Yeah, I got to go with the Rams, too. Just just too much. I mean, it's no Derrick Henry. He's your MVP. He's the thing that makes you tick. Am I really going to trust uh, Ryan Tannehill over Matt Stafford? I don't think so. I, I like the Rams better from top to bottom. Give me the Rams. All right, last one on the dock in Monday Night Football. Bears-Steelers classic NFL matchup. Pittsburgh minus 6.5. Benny, what do you like? Steel curtain, baby. That's right. They're playing better. They're playing better. Pretty good team. I think they're going to give Fields all type of problems, and Roethlisberger will piece together enough uh, flying geese to, to, to get enough points to win. I, yeah, I like the Steelers in this one. Yeah, I like the Steelers as well. You know, I talked about Belichick season when you got to get on the coat. Well, uh, November and December is also Mike Tomlin season. That's when he makes his bread and butter. Uh, so, yeah, give me the Steelers as well. All right. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuna podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz1. Number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I reversed him today, kind of trying to play with it a little bit, see how, how it feels. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on all of the platforms, we are at the tune HQ. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? You know, Chris Paul past uh, Mark Jackson and Steve Nash for third all-time in assists. But Denny, 
You throw me so many beautiful lobs on this show. You might be number one soon. What? I'm going to pass. It assists. It assists. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was slick. <laughs> the show is ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to the tune-up. Ha, ha, ha.